I'm going to have to be honest with you. I think the hardest things for us in life is when things don't go our way, we try to figure out, God, what are you doing? Have you, have you ever, am I the only one that's ever thought that before? Like, God, what are you doing? What, what a perfect song we just sang. That, that, that we need to realize that in our Christian walk, um, I need to depend more on the character of God than I do my circumstances. Because it's so easy for me because I'm fleshly and I, I, I want to try to figure things out in my own strength. And I tend to look through fleshly eyes and not spiritual eyes. And it's so difficult for us at times because, because when I begin to do that, I begin to, to block God out. And, and God says, listen, I've given you everything you need to, to, to know me and to understand my character. And, and I, the word of God gives us a realistic view of life. That, that life at times just stinks. It does. Can, can I get an amen? It, it does. At times, it, it does just be honest. At times, it does. And we don't understand why things happen the way they do. And that's why we're, we're doing this study in Romans chapter 8, going line by line. Because the Apostle Paul just gives us a completely different perspective about life and a completely different perspective on a worldly way of looking at our circumstances. And what Paul does for us is he gives us hope in the midst of suffering. He gives us hope to realize that this world isn't all that there is. And, and so if you're, if you're new to Christianity, you say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new here, pastor, to all this Christian stuff. And, and maybe your idea about God is, is, and maybe you've come this morning and, and you're mad at God. Because of, of some, something that happened in your life. And you're like, why did this thing happen? And, and you're, you're kind of just, you're mad at God. You're, you're mad at the situation. It's been tough for you even to come back to church or even, even think about a relationship with God. And, and so you're new. And, and, and maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. And, and you're still struggling with those things. Uh, Romans chapter 8 gives us the answer. Romans chapter 8 shows us God's ultimate plan. His ultimate purpose for us. And it has nothing to do with coincidence. It has everything to do with the will of God. And he shows us what his plan is so that we can rest in it. Everybody just take a deep breath. Right? I just want to tell you this morning, relax. Stop being so tense. Some of you are just so tense. And what's going to happen? And what did it, right? For me, I, I cannot... DVR a sporting event and not know the outcome when I already, when I already know what the score is. I, I, some of you are just mental that way. Like you can actually tape something uh, like a sporting event and not know the score and watch all the way through until you get to the end. I absolutely, I have to know the score. I'm like, I can't, cause you know what? I'm too nervous. I'm like, what's going to happen? How's this going to work out? But when I know the ending, how many know when you know the ending, it, you're so much more relaxed about watching that. It, it's the same thing if, you, if there's a, a favorite movie that you like watching and you've already known, known the end and you don't know, there's no spoiler alert, right? And you know the end. Don't, isn't it true that you just tend to get more into the movie and see the little nuances that you missed before because all you are, you're paying, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? How do they, who's that person? What that person? Kathleen hates watching movies with me because I'm always asking questions like, who is that person? She goes, it's the husband. So five minutes later, I'm like, who is that person again? It's the husband, okay? I'm like, oh, do you think he, no, okay? Didn't do it. Just watch it to the end, right? Actually, you know, it's funny. 
They actually um, did research on this. They did research, and they did an interesting study at the University of California to show uh, people knowing the outcome of of a sporting event or a movie actually, actually, or they have a book, they actually enjoyed it better. And what researchers actually discovered, this is true research here, what researchers actually discovered is people enjoy the book or the movie knowing the ending, even if they admitted not liking to be told what the ending was. And their theory is exactly this, because I, I relate to this. Their theory is, you know how the story turns out, and you're more comfortable processing the information and focusing on the deeper parts of the story. You're not consumed with how this thing is going to turn out. That's why I can watch Rocky over and over and over again, knowing the end of the Rocky one, by the way, okay? Because that's the best one. Don't even argue with me because Rocky one is just the best. They're all good, but Rocky one is, is just the best. And I can, because what happens is when I know the outcome, I, I kind of enjoy the story. Like, oh, I never saw it. After the 50th time watching, I go, geez, I never saw that. I didn't see that part of the story. I, I didn't see where, where Rocky was dealing with this or this part of the, his emotions or whatever. And I'm like, this is good. Could you get into the story? Because you already know the end. And I believe researchers are correct in this. See, we can enjoy the ride because we know the outcome. Hmm. Paul is going to talk about this very same thing in the verses that we're in this morning in, in Romans And so that's why we've been doing this in-depth studies. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 8.18, he says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Okay, so Paul just gave us a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, guess what? Guess what's going to happen later to those who follow Jesus? It's going to be good. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah, it's heaven right? It's going to be heaven. We, we can enjoy it. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. The rough ride we're going through now, because every movie, every book, right? You, you can, every Hallmark movie, which my wife loves, by the way, she doesn't admit it, but Hallmark movies, right? It's the same thing. You have this beginning and then you have this misunderstanding in the middle, right? And they're like, oh, they're not going to get together now. Are they ever going to get back together? Right? And right, if you're watching the Hallmark Channel, you know at the end, all of a sudden, there's a misunderstanding, and then they get ready to get on the plane, and they can't get to them in time, and all of a sudden, something happens, and the plane is delayed, or they walk on the plane, and then they come back off because they forgot something, and then they make up, and then it, you know, ends happily ever after, okay? Because that, there's, there's your basic plot to every single Hallmark movie right there, okay? So, it's just the truth. So, here's the thing. Paul let's us in on what is going to happen, saying, listen, I'm not telling you that you're not going to have a difficult life. I'm not telling you that you're not going to have trials. But the one thing I can tell you for sure is that our future is bright and it's hopeful. Don't, don't put your hope in your circumstances. They will let you down every single time. Put your hope in a God who controls all those things who understands what you're going through, who can use them for his glory. See, you may feel right now that you're in a season of your life or a chapter of your life where it doesn't seem very promising. You may feel like you're stuck in this bad season and that, that you just can't get out. But the question I want to ask you is how, how can we live with the right perspective 
even in the troublesome parts of our life? So that, that's, this is the question we're going to dive into in, in Romans 8 here. How can we live with the right perspective in, in the most troublesome parts of our life? And, and, and so Paul gives us hope here. And so this is what I want to do. I want to dig into Romans chapter 8. And we're in verse 26 through 30. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. The Bible's in the back of the seats. They're, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Um, you can look up at the screens, whatever you've got to look at the Word of God. And I want to look at verses 26 through 30. And I want to talk, Paul talks to us about how the Lord gives us help during our time of suffering and the times that we don't understand. Amazing couple of verses here. So encouraging. So Paul starts out, he starts out by saying, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our, hmm, not in our strength, in our weakness. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness, even to the point where he says, we don't even know what we ought to pray for. Have you ever been that? Have you ever been has that ever happened to you in your life where you are just, you don't even know what to pray. At that point, you are in such agony and distraught that you don't even know what to pray. Or you don't even know what you ought to pray for. He, this, is, this is so good. Paul says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So even in your weakest moments of your life, the times you don't understand, Paul says the Holy Spirit within us can pray through us in accordance to God's will to help us and to give us strength. Look at verse 28. And he says, and we know that in Some things God works for the good. You should have stopped me there. Somebody should have shouted me down right there. What does it say? For we know, people are saying, what version are you reading, Pastor? Is that the nearly inspired Barden version? No, this this is God's word. It says, and we know that in what? All things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he is also glorified. Those are some very hopeful words right there. And so in these verses, what Paul does is, Paul gives us two promises that he reminds us a couple things. First of all, he reminds us that we're never alone. And that God is working out all things for his good. Even in the midst of trials, we can have a confidence that God is working for us. And so we have to be careful when we think of trials. Because many times we think of trials or things we go through as maybe we equate trials with punishment. I'm going through this thing because of something I've done. And when good things happen, it must be because I've done some good things. That's a misunderstanding of the character of God and the way he, he works uh, with us and for us. So let me give you two realities here. Two realities here is, first of all, we don't deserve a thing, and we could never merit God's grace by our own goodness. Okay, that's the first reality. And the second reality is, we will have trials in our lives, and God desires, his desire is to use them for our growth. So the reality is, I don't deserve a thing. God's grace is a free gift that he gives us. 
And, and we will have trials in our lives and God desires to use them for our growth. So how can I live with purpose when life doesn't make sense? That's the question. How can I live with purpose when life doesn't make sense? And Paul tells us that even in our weakness, we, we have help. We live in a broken world and we understand that, that just stuff happens. Um, but the promise here, Paul says, is, is that we are never alone. We are never alone because God gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit. So in our times of weaknesses, which how many know trials bring those times of weakness in our life? We, we feel helpless. We, sometimes we don't know where to turn. And that's an okay place to be because, because God wants that dependency from us. And if I were to ask many of you, the time that you turned to God, it was probably in a real difficult time in your life. It, it breaks us, doesn't it? Because we realize we're not as in control as we think we are. But that's okay because it's a, it's a pride thing within us that we want to be in control. And none of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are. And, and if you think you are, you're gravely mistaken and is in control of, of things that we may think we are. We're not as in control as we, we think we are. So in our times of weakness, what Paul is saying is God is right there. You may feel overwhelmed by your situation. And, and there are times that we don't even know what to pray. And, and, and we, we want to pray, but, but we don't even have the words to pray. And, and that's, that's okay. Because what Paul says is even in that time of your weakness, Here's what, here's what Paul says. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and actually intercedes for us. I love that. Even in our weakness of this time that we don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit in our weakness intercedes for us and gives us strength to keep continually to go on. And not only pray and intercede for us, but also pray in accordance to God's will that we're never, ever alone. See, we, we, we tend to get caught up in the way that we pray, or do I have the right words to pray? Well, let me give you some relief here, because this is where the Spirit helps us. It's God who searches the heart and knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit always prays in accordance with the will of God. Here's what I like about what Paul says right here. He says, God even knows our groans behind our words. Let me say that again. That was good right there. Amen, Pastor Barden. God even knows our groans behind our words. So, so here's, here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying these are groans that can, words that can't even be expressed at times. And I believe a heart that is completely prostrate before the Lord. And he's just saying, God, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even have the words around. I'm just, I just don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us. He knows our heart. So it's not necessarily about the actual words. Did I use the right words? Oh, God, my father, if. Hallowith be thy nameth. Hallelujah, if, right? Did I pray in the King James language, because you hear that more. No, he doesn't. He sees your heart. He sees a heart that's prostrate before him. And he will give you power through his Holy Spirit to search the mind of God and to pray in accordance to God's will. You are never alone. 
And I think sometimes, listen, can I just be honest with you? I think sometimes when we're going through a difficult time, we're like, well, did, did I pray the right way or did I, did I say the right words? Is there a secret combination word that I need to pray to open up the lock so that God hears me? Paul says right here, no. It's a heart that simply comes before the Lord and prostrates themselves before God and it admits our weakness. That God, I don't even know what to pray at this point, but I know that you're good and I know that you're there and I'm just gonna completely fall on your goodness right now. I got nothing else. I got nothing else, but I'm gonna fall on your goodness because I know that you're true. God works the best in those situations and a heart that is completely humble before him. And this is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in our lives. See, the Holy Spirit is our helper and our encourager, and the Holy Spirit gives us strength and peace even in the midst of our weakness. He works on your behalf. You don't have to be the big, strong person, right? You can admit, I'm, I'm struggling, Lord. I'm weak here, and I, I need your help. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to work through my life because I can't do this on my own. We live in a broken world and God gives us the Holy Spirit to actually help us in our weakness. And, and listen, when we go through those difficult situations, it, we are going to feel weak and that's okay. You don't have to lie to yourself and say, oh, oh I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. No, just say, God, I'm, I'm weaker. I need your strength. That's where God works the best. And where we rely on the Holy Spirit, where otherwise we would rely on our own strength and our own understanding, and then we just push God aside. See, this is where the second promise comes in. Because when I'm relying on the Holy Spirit and God's actually working through my weakness, the second promise there I said is, is, that, is that God is working all things for his good on behalf of those who love him. So verse 28 can be very confusing and can be very misunderstood. misunderstood. So let, let me under, let me, let, let's unpack what this verse actually means. I know it makes a, a great bumper sticker and we all use it. You know, God, work, he's working out all things where he's good, right? Here's a Band-Aid, right, for your hurt. Hope you feel better. Call me in the morning. Take two Romans 8.28 and call me in the morning, right? So let's understand what this means because let, let's not... Just use this verse to pacify someone's true hurt and struggle that they're going through. See, what Paul is saying is for those who love God, all things work for good. Notice what he says, all things. And all things means all things. So loving God doesn't mean bad things will not happen in our lives. Let's get the reality though. So Paul's saying that he's not saying that bad things won't happen in our lives. Just because I love God, that doesn't mean bad things won't happen in our lives. Paul is, Paul is not trying to give us some bait and switch here. He's not trying to fool us. He's, he's not trying positive thinking on us. He's, he's not telling us to think that it's always sunny out when it's not. You know, he's not saying, well, you know, above the clouds, it's always sunny out, right? It's snowing outside right now, but above the clouds, it's sunny. No, it's stinking snowing out right now, and I don't like it, okay? I don't see the sun, okay? So it's not, he's not trying some positive thinking. You know, he's not saying, hey, just, just sing, the sun will come out tomorrow. Just sing that to yourself, right? The sun will come out tomorrow, right? Or, or, or say, well, you know, the glass is, 
is, is half full, half empty. You know, and life hands you a lemon, make lemonade, you know, or just think happy thoughts. He doesn't say just hug yourself. You know, it's not some positive thinking. I want you to notice Paul isn't trying to say that things work out for good on their own. Not saying that. He's saying that the good that is happening is a direct result of God, and God is working all for good. See, Paul isn't saying that bad things are actually good. So he's not trying to get you to just, okay, this bad thing's actually good. This bad thing's actually good. It's, it's, it's not snowing outside right now. It's actually sunny out. So it's, you know, he's not trying to get you to do some funky thing with your mind. And he's not doing that. No, bad things. Guess what bad things are? They're bad, right? It, it stinks. And life stinks at times. So Paul is saying God will take the bad things and work them for good according to his purpose. According to his purpose. And here's where the trust comes in. I may never know why I was taken through this certain trial or, and, I, and I shouldn't have to burden myself to figure it all out. I should trust God and know his infinite plan. And that's why Paul keeps pointing us to the future. That God is restoring all things and redeeming all things back to himself. And, and we might think, if I could just know the reason for this particular thing and why I went through this, I will feel better. Maybe not. Sometimes I think about, you know, my wife and I, we lost our first child um, 24 years ago. And you, you know, looking back 24 years, you're thinking, okay, well, you probably learned a lot. And I have learned a lot. You know what I learned? Is God is good. That's what I learned. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. I, I'm not going to tell you. I learned all this. Like, oh well, what was his purpose? And look at all these. Little, yeah, there was a lot of great things that God brought about from it. But the one thing I learned over 24 years after that happened is God is still good, and He's still a trustworthy God. I don't know why those things happened. I don't know why she had a rare heart defect. It wasn't our fault. It was just. It's part of the fall. But I do know one thing. That God is restoring all things back to himself. You know, I'm going to be glad that I'll see Bailey one day. I'm I'm looking forward to that. But you know what I'm looking forward to ultimately? That there's going to be no more pain. No more suffering. No more taxes. I got to do them on Monday. Pray for me, right? At about two o'clock, pray for Pastor Bard at two o'clock tomorrow as he does his taxes, right? That's my hope. And this is what I've come to realize after 24 years is that when I get to heaven, I'm probably not going to care about having the answer. I'm just going to be glad to be there. Because I think we burden ourselves so much with the here and now and all the whys. And then we try to, then we try to, you know, we try to say, well, maybe this. And other people try to say, well, maybe this. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't know. 
As a pastor, I do a lot of funerals. I don't know why certain things happen. And, I, and I'm honest. When people come, I'm, I don't sit there and try to tell them that I have all the answers. But here's the one thing I do tell them. I said, listen, we may not know all these things that have happened. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I do know. But we do know who holds all the answers. And we, knew, we do know that God has a hope even in the midst of death. He, he said this to Martha when Jesus came late to her brother's death. Lazarus, he says, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and life? And tells her, even though you die, you will live. And she believed in him before he even raised Lazarus from the dead. See, our hope is that God can bring life out of death for those who put their hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm putting my hope in. And so instead of trying to figure out what we don't know, let's concentrate on what we do know. And what we do know is God is good. And he's reconciling all things back to himself. And that's why he gives us this realistic view of hardships. And that's what we need to put our hope in. I like what Tim Keller says here. He says, this verse shows us a balanced view that people seldom maintain towards suffering. On one hand, there are people who despair in suffering and say nothing good can come out of this. This text denies that. On the other hand, there are people, including many Christians, who embrace suffering. They see it as something that allows them to feel more noble and virtuous than others, but the text does not say that the things are good but that God works for the good. Difficulties are not to be enjoyed, but welcomed. They are not good, but their results can be. C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, it's from a collection of notebooks that C.S. Lewis wrote about his thoughts and pains when he went through the grieving process, when he lost his wife to cancer, being only married three years. And actually, if any, the great movie, uh, 1985, The Shadowlands, is actually based on that movie. I like what C.S. Lewis says here. He says, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth of falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It's easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you are merely using it to court a box. But suppose you had to hang that rope over a precipice, over a cliff. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? During the death of our daughter, that's where I really leaned in to learn to trust the Lord because I had nothing else. And I, I'm going to tell you one thing. God's cord was strong enough to hold me. See, this whole notion that God won't give you any more than you can handle is not true. We need to stop saying that. It's not true. We, we mistakenly believe that it's from the Bible and we use it as a band-aid, but it's, it's not true. We get it from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where Paul's saying there is no temptation 
that is not common to man, that God has not uh, given you an escape. So he's talking about temptation, temptation over sin. He's not, he's not talking about trials because how many of you know there are things that you go in your life, you're like, I can't handle this. I can't. This is way too much for me. And so he, here's what Paul is saying. That's where the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within your life helps you to get through those things that you can't handle because there are things in our life that we, we can't handle. It's just too much. And so what he's ultimately saying is God can work the bad things out even for our good. And so Paul says, listen, we know, and this isn't wishful thinking, or I hope it works out, or we know, it, we know that we know is an absolute confidence that God works for the good for those who love him. And so this is what we do know. We do know that God is good. He, he doesn't change. And God is still good even when bad things happen. He's still good. And the reason why we know this is because God redeems all things to himself. So he, he's going to take those. And he's going to work it for his good. So what God does is he takes our brokenness, our mistakes, our pain, and our suffering, and redeems it for his glory. And, and so some of you might be here today and, and you might actually say, I came to Jesus in the most difficult times of my life, or the time that I grew the most in my walk with the Lord is through the difficult times in our life. So God does use that suffering for our growth and our, our, our purpose. Um, I, I, I love the Beth, Bethany Hamilton story. Remember, remember that story of Beth, Bethany Hamilton, 2003 at age 13. Uh, she was part of a shark attack that she lost her left arm. She's actually now married and has two boys and doing, doing really, really well. But I always remember this quote from uh, Beth, Bethany Hamilton because she's a strong Christian, almost, almost lost her life because of blood loss because of the shark attack in Hawaii. But I love this quote from her. She goes, because um, they ask her, like, you know, how are you working all this out and do you see God's purpose and plan? And, and she just says this, I love it. She goes, I wouldn't change what happened to me because then I, I wouldn't have a chance in front of all of you to embrace more people than I ever could have with two arms. She said this when she was really young. See, this is, this is the promise that God gives us in Romans 8.28. That I, can, that I can and I will redeem all things in our lives. And so what God does is, is God uses the circumstances in our lives to build us into the person he wants us to be. That's where it becomes difficult. Because this is where God rocks our world, right? And he says, let me... Let me break you in my loving way. Let me, let me allow you to go through this. But know, but know that I'm ultimately working my purpose through your life. You may not know, you may not understand all the details and nuances of what I'm doing. But trust me. Trust me. That I'm working it for my good. So here's the takeaway. When you don't see what's in front of you, trust that God does. Just trust that God does. He does. He sees what's in front of you, even though you may not. And you can trust him. Amen? 
I am, I'm so glad to have Liz Ramos with us here today. Liz is a missionary to Belize. Um, Liz called me uh, a couple months ago, and she goes, you know, I haven't, I'm itinerating, and uh, I haven't been to your church in a while. I'd love to come. I said, oh, Liz, come, and look, let's carve out some time for you to come into our service. And um, Many of you know the Ramoses. Uh, Liz and John Ramos uh, ministered in Guatemala. Uh, six years ago, John passed away because of cancer. Our church worked with them for four years in Guatemala and helped them uh, build a Bible college, which is still going very strong. And um, as, I, as I was reading my message this morning, I originally was going to have Liz kind of share during the announcement times, and she had a whole PowerPoint slide, so I'm sorry, Liz. But I said, Liz, could you come up at the end and share your story of, of how God brought you through that and then how God has you continuing the work of the Lord in Belize and where she's continuing the ministry that her and John started? Um, those were some good missions trips. Um, John lives are from New York City. John uh, ran the missions trip like a boot camp. I was crying many times in a fetal position with my sucking my thumb because John was like, you know, we're going to do it. He was great. John was the best. And we just had some great, great times. And uh, the first year we were there, Liz couldn't be with him. I think you may have still had kids home at that time. Yeah, they're all, they're all grown up now. And uh, John finally apologized to me after two days. I just need my wife with me. I'm not as good without my wife. So the next year we went, I go, I go John, I'm going to give you one more chance because I can't, I can't cry anymore. You're just too tough on us. I'm, I'm soft. I'm sorry. And uh, the next year with Liz being with him, he was, he was a lot better with his wife. He was a good boy. And we had some great times. And, and some of you are here today and you traveled uh, to Guatemala with us to help us with that Bible college. And so I wanted Liz to come and, um, and just... And just basically share, um, just as we close today, just maybe some thoughts of how God helped her through that time and then what she's doing now in Belize and, and how we continue to pray for her. So, Liz, I, I appreciate you being so flexible in doing this. I know this is a little different. But would, could you give Liz just a warm welcome if she just comes and shares that story? Amen. Thanks so much, Liz. I appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor. I got a little emotional. Everything that Pastor just shared is really what I've lived. And so I'm not going to add that much more to what he already said. Just kind of share how it helps me. Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good. He's a refuge in times of trouble. And he's with those and he cares for those who trust in him. I love that verse. That was one of the verses that the Lord really ministered to me. John was the love of my life. I was married 31 years. I remember when our youngest left the home. I love my kids. Let me just say that. But I. We were so happy because it was just going to be John and Liz. And I literally was going to do everything with him. No more excuses. We were just going to have fun serving the Lord together. The Lord gave me two years alone with him. And that verse strengthened me. The Lord is good. We serve a God that doesn't change. Our circumstances change. 
but the Lord does not. So on my happiest day, which was my wedding day, I praise the Lord because the Lord is good. And on my saddest days, and I say days because they've been many since he's passed away. I praise the Lord because the Lord is good. He didn't change just because my situation changed. And really what I want to say, it's a lot of what pastor already said. God rewarded my husband. I can say my husband passed away. I could say my husband died. But the truth is the Lord rewarded my husband. He is with the presence of the God that he served. He lived to see Jesus. He's with Jesus. That's a good thing. That's good. My kids are grown. They love the Lord. They serve the Lord. They're both involved in ministry. They both married people that love the Lord that are also involved in ministry. That's a good thing. My kids love the Lord. That's good. The Lord is working things out for good. They can minister to others that are hurting because we serve a good God. But really, one of the things that the Lord really showed me, people ask me, what did you learn? As pastors said, what did you learn through this? And that's a hard thing to answer. I could tell you what God did is that he took his word, the word that I studied, the word that I taught, the word that I used to speak. He took that word. And for me, what he did is he put a magnifying glass over it. He took it. He took what I already knew and made it grow and made it bigger. I feel like it just came so close. And I took his word in my darkest moments. I remember when during the memorial service, I got to the church. And when I got to the entrance of the church, I got out the car, right? So here's the steps to the church. I got to the street level. And my body would not move. And I remember feeling frustrated. I couldn't understand why is this body not moving. Like I felt like I was the he- like just weights on me. And that's a normal response. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> but that's grieving. That's mourning. That's darkness. That's heaviness. And I needed help to get up those steps. Which really frustrated me. <laughs> And yet during this time, the Lord began to show me again, magnified his word. I began to say, Lord, this is too much for me. So help me. And he did through his word. I love that pastor said, you know, the, he's working everything out for good. Everything will work out for good for according to his purpose. And let me tell you the promise that I grabbed from God's word. And it's in Psalm 138, 8. It says, he will fulfill his purpose in my life. He will fulfill that purpose. He's working out something for his purpose. And yet that purpose involves me. Isn't that wonderful? That purpose involves you. That's what makes God good. That he doesn't stand up here and he says he's good. He doesn't stand and just say, yes, this is you. And you're going to go through bad times and I'm good. He says, I'm good. You're going to go through bad times, but I'm going to be with you. And it's going to be for a purpose that I have 
to use you for my glory. What a powerful God we serve. What a wonderful God we serve. That's all good. We're going to be able to touch people's lives like never before because we serve and we trust. And he's with us. when we, He says he cares for those that trust in him. I've been cared for by the living God in a way that John could never care for me. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. There's a scripture also in Psalm. It says he's close to the brokenhearted. And I love that when he gets close, the Lord doesn't come close just to say, oh, you poor thing. Oh, you poor thing. You're going through a really bad time. He comes close because he cares. He comes close because he does want to soothe us. He comes close to heal us again for his purpose. And it's been six. It'll be six years next week. And I'm still in that process. I'm still in that process of healing. And I thank God. I love what pastor said. We serve a trustworthy God. He says, trust me because he is trustworthy. I want you to, whatever you're going through, grab promises from God. He will fulfill his purpose. Psalm 18 verse 30 says, we serve, he says, as for God, his way is perfect. And there's a comfort in knowing that we serve a perfect God, isn't there? So we have to trust that perfect perfect means without fault. So we know he doesn't make mistakes. We know we are going to go through trouble because the Bible tells us that. Yet we serve a God that's perfect and will not make a mistake. But again, there's so many things that about I love about the Lord is that he tells us who he is. And then he tells us who he is and what, who we are in him. And so Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. But then verse 32 says that he arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. You see, as I continue to follow this perfect God, then my way becomes perfect because he strengthens me. And why do you need strength to follow something that's perfect? Because sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes it does seem like trouble following this way. But he says he arms me with strength. And that's what the Lord has done. He has strengthened me. He has been close to me to heal me. When I say I feel so alone, Lord, again, his promise, I will never leave you, Liz. I will fulfill the purpose that I have for your life. That's what God's been doing in the last six years in my life. So when I was asked, well, well, what are you going to do now? Your husband's gone. You've been involved in missions. We were missionaries for almost 12 years at this point. What are you going to do? Kids are gone. Husband's gone. You're alone. I've heard that. You're alone. What are you going to do? And believe me, the first few weeks, I was like, I don't even want to answer that. I just need, I needed to close myself up with the Lord as he did minister to me through his word. And as he did, he did care for me. He comforted me. He strengthened me. I remember Again, what are you going to do, Liz? And it's like, Lord, where you lead, I will follow because you have strengthened me. Because you really have not changed. 
And so the call is the call. I always felt that I was called. I had an individual call to my life to for missions. I remember John definitely was called and I was called. I never, ever felt like I was leaving to the mission field because I was following my husband. I always believed wholeheartedly that I was called. I thank God that I had a husband that I could follow. And I'm the best follower. I'm a good follower. (laughs) And so when it came to what are you going to do? I said, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll follow. Wherever you want me to go. People say, oh, you're so brave. I said, what were my options? To be disobedient? Because that's what it would have been. My only option was to say, yes, Lord. Because you have been so good to me. And so I am in the country of Belize. I spoke to my leaders during that time. Like, do I go back to Guatemala? I actually did. Two months after my husband passed away, I went to visit Guatemala. And that was a very hard time for me. It was very difficult. And so my leaders thought, you know, switch countries. Belize borders Guatemala. And so I've been there four years now trusting God to fulfill his purpose for me. And so there I teach because again, the word is magnified in my life. This is the answer. We serve an almighty God. And it's so important to understand who he is. Belize is an evangelized country. And yes, statistically it is the least discipled country. And the things that I've heard from pastors who have a congregation who don't know their word, amazes me sometimes. So my heart is to train pastors, teach them God's word, teach them to understand it, teach them to take it apart and to know what God is speaking so that they in turn could do that for their congregation. I'm the only Assemblies of God missionary right now in Belize, so I do need your prayers. I thank you for your prayers. I met this woman outside today. And she sweetly says, yes, I remember we prayed for you. That's huge. Thank you so much. I want to thank also the the men that came to John's memorial. If you're here, I haven't forgotten that. And that's so meaningful. Whatever you're going through today, the Lord has sent someone to supplement your pastor's message already. To tell you, grab a promise of God. In this world, you will have trouble. He says, be a good cheer. I used to read that and go, how are you cheerful in trouble? Makes no sense. Like, they just don't go together. He says, he's overcome the world. He says, he has a plan. He says, this is for good. He's going to work something out for you. He says, he has a purpose for you. That's how we could be cheerful in trouble. Because as the pastor said, that is not the end. We could be cheerful in trouble because there is a better expected end. And that is how we and why we hope in a living God. So this little lady from the Bronx via Belize came down to tell you. In your worst moments. God is good. In your worst moments, he's close. In your worst moments, he's working something. In the worst moments, he has purpose. In your worst moments, he's a loving God that's close to you. May the Lord bless you.
Thank you, Liz. Liz, I want you to stay here just for a second. I want to, I want to pray for Liz and, and just thank her so much for sharing. And um, Liz is, is just, she's speaking at different churches to raise cash, cash support for her ministry there in Belize. And of course, we, we want to bless her and, and we're going to take an offering for her. And we've got a basket in the back, so if you want to write a check, and I'll show you how you can text to give also so we can bless Liz and what God is doing. I appreciate you coming all the way up from New York City to be with us today. And I, I really felt like this, this was a God thing. Her calling me and then this particular message, I think, blended together. And I want to pray for Liz and also pray for you. Um, Liz has a table set up. Just walk out the sanctuary doors. It's in the lobby right to the left. And um, if you need prayer, I know Liz would love to, to pray with you and pick up her prayer card and see what she's doing in Belize there. And I know she would greatly appreciate that. So would you just pray with me? Would you just bow your hearts and just pray with me? Father God, I just want to thank you so much for what Liz shared today. Lord, I thank you for what you've brought her through. I thank you for the calling you've placed on her life. I thank you for what she's doing in, in the country of Belize. And I pray, Lord, that, that there would be great fruit, much more fruit to come. And she's already been there four years. I pray that you would meet all her financial goals and the things that she needs, God, as she travels, and that you would keep her safe as she travels to uh, supporting churches, God, and, and that, Lord, they would catch that vision that you have for her. But I thank you, Lord, for, for how you are faithful. And I pray for anyone here today that has come into this place, and that's how they're feeling. I pray, just as Liz said, that they would cling to your promises because they are true, and they are steadfast, and Lord, we can trust you. So Lord, we thank you for uh, just this day, and thank you for your word today, and thank you for the message we heard today. In Jesus' wonderful name.